0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hello, my name is Robin Palmer and I am a programme lead in the development and employment team at NHS Employers. I am at our annual Workforce Summit where we have just heard from John Timpson, the chairman of Timpson's, talk about the workforce culture he and his staff have developed across the organisation. In this podcast we will discuss the Timpsons approach in more detail and explore how the NHS could apply some of these innovations to improve staff well-being and recruit and retain top talented staff. John, thanks for joining me. Firstly in your presentation you talked about upside down management. For the listeners benefit can you explain what this is and why you introduced it into your organisation?
1: It all started actually as to how we're going to give great service to our customers you can't do that through a set of rules or even training courses or codes of practice or telling people what to say. There's only one way to give great service and that's to give the people who meet the customers the freedom to look after them the way they know best. And so so when we had that thought then it meant how, how are we going to give them the freedom and then we I've found someone in the States who'd done this thing, they've got a management chart that was upside down, with the people who serve the customers at the top with control, trusted to do their job, and everyone else in the organisation, their job is to support those people. Not to tell them what to do, no, not allowed to issue orders, but to help them take the obstacles out of the way so they're free to do their job the way they want.
0: And when you brought in this new <coughs> approach 20 years ago, how did it go down in your organization
1: badly the big the biggest problem, and I'll guarantee this will be elsewhere is to get um, middle management to accept that they they can actually run that do their job by, without telling people what to do. Mm. Bear in mind as well, of course, most of them have been promoted from the front line and they've been told what to do by their boss for years and years and years and suddenly they find that they've got the suit and the briefcase and they want to go around telling, you know, ordering people about. And then I come along and say, this is what you're doing. And So the natural response is, how can I be responsible for the results of my area of the business? if I can't tell our people exactly what I think they should be doing. And because of that, the people on the front line are a bit nervous of doing what I said they should be doing because they thought they would get it in the neck from their boss, which, which was exactly what started to happen. So it took five years to overcome all that. Uh, but, but we gradually got there and since then, the, the 17, 15, 17 years since then, it's just got better and better.
0: So when all that time ago when you were going through this change and, and it was quite clear that it only works with the right people, did that actually mean that you lost a number of people from your organisation?
1: Yeah, there would be quite a few people who just didn't like to work the way we we wanted to work. I mean, there are plenty of people in this world who, who love rules. They want to be, they they, they they don't want to think for themselves. They don't want to use their initiative. They want to do exactly what you know, they're told to do. So it didn't suit them and some of those would sort have. Of disappeared fairly early on. But we started at the other end, really. It was a question of recruitment, because we'd been, well, for years and years and years, we'd been recruiting people who've repaired shoes and cut keys, and then I turned around and said, we don't want these people. I don't want people with personality. You pick people with personality, we can, we can train, train them for all those skills. Uh, but if you turn up with a very a fantastic craftsman, but who's, he was a grumpy cobbler, I can't change him.
0: How would you apply some of the thinking that you've used in Timpsons to the NHS?
1: The sense I get, or the very small number of conversations I have with frontline people in the NHS, uh, the frustration is someone is telling them what to do that doesn't really know their job. I I don't think a load more money would make any difference at all. To fix the frustration is actually allowing the people at the frontline to do the job that they've gone in the profession to do. If you talk to our people, one of the things they value most is they're allowed to get on with it. It's my shop. And you talk to their their partners and their families, and they say, well, you know, it's been so much happier since it came to work for you because it's very good for people's well-being to be trusted, trusted to do the job. And they're making big decisions in their lives all the time their family budgets and what they're going to do with their children, and um, whether they're going to move house. And yet, you won't let them do their job, because someone up there has to control, has to measure. And what I don't think people realise, you don't achieve things by a process, and it actually takes away from the most important decision that the management has to do, to pick the right people.
0: So there are definitely elements there that would be transferable across to the NHS, certainly around facilitating frontline innovation and developing trust. So in, in your experience then, how do you think we could manage this culture shift in health and care?
1: You have one absolute essential before you've got any chance of changing an organisation to the way we do it. And the chi- that is that the chief executive has absolutely got to be passionate, passionate about that's the way to go. Because without that, it's not going to work because you're going to get a lot of resistance by the the people in the middle whose whose life is telling other people what to do and they've got to understand that there's a lot more joy to be had actually by creating something Mm. where you're giving people freedom to get on with it.
0: So in terms of retention what sort of rewards package do you offer your staff to keep them happy?
1: It's not a package it means much more because it can be off the cuff. All our a- area team. The people we've got loads of people whose job is to look after the people who, who wear the shops. They all have with them a little stack of what, scratch cards, which are, are not the lottery cards. They are scratch cards. So you, if someone's done something fantastic, then they say, "Well, do what. Have, a, have one of these." And so they can. If they get, I don't know what this is. Oh, they get three shoes, three keys, whatever. So it'll be a matching thing. And one means they get £10, another means they get £50. Another means they get a meal out on James, who's my son, the chief executive. Another is a bottle of your choice, and then another one is the next, the next customer that comes in, whatever they spend is yours. So, and that's just on a random basis. There are things we do like everyone who works for us gets their birthday off. Simple. Do send everyone a certificate after they've been with us for one year, three years, five years, ten years and so on. I I signed a letter with everyone and uh, once it hits five years they get £50 pounds. Then it's 75 and it's £100. Pounds. If you can do things which are completely off the wall, no rules to it. I mean, we have a thing we call dreams come true and every Every month we make at least one person's dream come true. They tell us what they are, those who are interested. And uh, usually it involves travelling a hell of a long way away. Uh, And things for helping problems with disabled child or its dental treatment.
0: Are there any other areas of innovation at Timpsons that you think it would be important for the NHS to know more about or perhaps to apply across the health service?
1: Do you know we, have a very, we, we don't have appraisals, we've got rid of the appraisal system. I regret to say that I did do some appraisals about 35 years ago, but certainly for the last 32 years we've never been near the appraisals because it wastes so much time and creates so much problem. I mean, people, people don't like it, you're putting them in an awkward situation. The bosses aren't much good at it. Quite often, but you might have. But then you've got to have training to train them how to do an appraisal, and everyone's been trained how to, do, how to be appraised. And then you've got this awkward situation where uh, someone who's absolutely fantastic gets told how they can improve, which is not what you want. And someone who's useless, they find something really good to say about them because that's only fair. And that will be used against you in a tribunal. So we don't do it.
0: So, how do you manage performance? Or do you not?
1: We do have a little thing we call our happy index, which does all that you need. Everyone out in our shops will answer one question, which is on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with the support you get from your area team? I mean, we do it as well for the by people out, out in the field, because that's what it's all about. It's supporting the people who serve the customers. That's what it's for. for. So they also measure the departments at the office, how well uh colleague support does and how well the warehouse does and it and what uh but the results for the areas went from we had four um, never had it before we had four area managers who got a hundred percent got yeah. 10 out of 10 for everyone who replied so i said i sent a, a letter to every all those four at the top with a i sent We'll what the check was wasn't that much 250 quid
0: what are the biggest things that have an impact on your happy index
1: i was with one of the guys he he only got 97% it, he was explained 50% of his time was spent helping people with problems i don't mean problems with a key machine or a, the window display i mean personal problems very often debt relationship problems all that because that's what will cause someone who's really good not to do so well. On the reverse scale, you know, people who get the low scores So, oh, promise me this, promise that never heard anything more about it. Every time you make a promise, you deliver.
0: You obviously stress the importance of your managers knowing your staff on a personal level. So what else do you do to make sure that this is outlined from the very start of an individual's journey within your organisation?
1: We have, a, we have another thing, it's a little quiz we play. Uh, how do you know, how well do you know your people test? So we'll pick someone out of your team and There are a load of questions you've got to ask about answer about your, that member of your team like you know uh, What's their partner's name? What pets do they have? What car do they drive? Where do they go on holiday? and We've already got the answers because someone's gone and spoken to that but you don't know who it is. Why is that important? Because it shows whether you really know the person so when it comes to, like, birthdays, because everyone has their birthday off, you will never forget where their birthday is. So it gives you the opportunity to give them a birthday present.
0: And that's a measure of how good the relationship or understanding they have with the people that are in their team.
1: That's what, what being a manager in our business really is about. That's, that's me looking after people. And most of that would work in any organisation. What's different about the NHS that means they can't do that?
0: John, it's been an incredibly interesting and, and broad conversation. I've really enjoyed learning a bit more about what it's like inside Timpson. And frankly, it sounds like a brilliant place to work. And I'm not that surprised by your happy index scores uh, to that extent. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, no problem.